This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue opening the minds to the public to what takes place in reality as opposed to what you think takes place ladies and gentlemen welcome to the justice tech pros podcast here's your host dominic crea greetings listeners hope everybody's doing okay Today's episode 65 will be a direct follow-up to episode 64, so if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend just giving it a listen, perhaps prior to this one, only because they will correlate and they will run into one another, and when you hear them both together, you'll be able to make a complete analysis of the entire situation. And the situation I discussed in 64 and we'll be discussing now is regarding the recent Carmine Persico Jr., story that is unfortunately being plastered everywhere where they're trying to label him as an informant and it's completely false and inaccurate. And they're using documentation to do so, which actually doesn't support their claims, which I made very clear in episode 64. I don't want to rehash that. I already vetted that out. But today, what I do want to do is I'm bringing on and I'm honored to have on Uh, Mr. Carmine Persico Jr.'s prior counsel before he passed, Mr. Matthew Mary and Mr. Anthony DiPietro. And they're going to come on and we're going to talk about the entire situation. We're going to cite some documents, some you may have seen, some you may have not. And it will give you a greater understanding of the situation and the complete picture as opposed to all the stories that are being run with now and being talked about. So without further ado, allow me to bring on Mr. Matthew Mary and Mr. Anthony DiPietro. Gentlemen, um, it's an honor to have you both on. I appreciate you taking the time, and if you could just maybe take two minutes just to introduce yourselves, and then we could start our uh, conversation. Okay, you want me to go first? Sure, absolutely. Okay, I'm Matthew J. Mary. I've been a criminal defense attorney for 45 years. I've been a radio talk show host for eight years, and pretty soon I'm going to start a podcast that might be interesting because we'll be talking about a lot of the same things you talk about. You know how the government just railroads people for decades and decades and gets away with it, and you know, no one complains and no one cares. And people's lives are ruined, but uh, that's why we're here today because uh, Carmine Persico is dead. But we're going to make sure, Anthony and I, that that Carmine's family doesn't have to endure the nonsense that's going on for the last three days. I I appreciate that. And I'm actually, I look forward to that podcast. Uh, Anthony, you want to just uh, let the listeners know? Sure, Dominic. Thank you for having Matthew and I on. It's an honor and privilege. Thank you. uh, I'm a criminal defense lawyer in White Plains, New York. I essentially have a federal practice, and I work on a lot of cases with uh, Matthew Mary, who I have the pleasure of meeting many years ago, and the pleasure of working on Mr. Persico's case with Mr. Mary, and uh, All right. hopefully 
use today's episode to clear things up and really uh, give the truthful view of what's going on here. Yeah, and I think that's what's needed. Um, I did an episode in episode 64 just from the outside looking in. And what was baffling is I wasn't seeing what people were seeing. It's like they're almost making this document mean something it doesn't mean. So that's why I think this is a great to have you gentlemen on just to further clarify. And as Mr. Uh, Mary said, this is ridiculous for the family to even have to deal with this. So it's important that there's another side to this that actually shows the truth and, and doesn't go along with this nonsense. You know, Dominic, uh, in, in, when this story came out in, in the in the Daily News, I think it was Friday, you know, and Anthony called me, and then I read the newspaper. I was really steaming, and at 7 a.m., I called the reporter who wrote the story, and I, I started to blast him in a very respectful way, of course, and I said, you know, this story is, is BS, and uh, he said, oh, you know, how, how could you how could you call me at 7 a.m.? I said, listen, if I had woken up at 3 a.m. and read this story, I would have called you at 3 a.m. I said, my blood is boiling. I said, this is this is ridiculous. He said, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold. He said, I've got a document. You think I would write a story like that? Without pro-? He said, I've got a document. I said, I've got a document, he said. And uh, anyhow, I hung up with him, and Anthony happened to have the document. And Anthony... You know, facts is over, but document to me. And that's when I really hit the roof because I couldn't believe that any intelligent human being could look at this document, which we call Exhibit 5. It's Exhibit 5 in, in a motion for compassionate release for a guy named Vic Orena, O-R-E-N-A. Vic Orena is a longtime rival of Carmine Persico, a lot of bad blood between them through the years uh, a lot of uh, a lot of bad things occurred through the years between these two people and it seems that you know Mr. Arena they say he's senile uh, that he's now a you know born again Christian I don't believe any of that right? this is spite work because when you read the motion on behalf of Mr. Arena for compassionate release it, it this issue that they're raising, they're saying, oh, Carmine Persico was identified as a rat in 1971. In 1971, I was 21 crisp years old. Boy, I wish I could be 21 again. <laughs> Anthony DiPietro wasn't even born back in 1971. Yeah, neither was I. <laughs> I you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy. And so, you know, once I had that document, it was a whole new ballgame. But, but before we get to the document, before we get to Anthony, because Anthony's got more to say about all of this than I do, I just want to say that, you know, this is not about uh, me and Anthony sticking up for our friend, Carmine Persico. You know, the Daily News rebuttal the next day after we called the reporter, and he did quote me, and he did quote Anthony, and he did quote an expert who looked at the document and said the document clearly states that Mr. Persico and the 13 others were subjects of an investigation. They weren't informants. Okay, but they did put that much in. But yet the the follow-up article the day after the big headline, Carmine Persico is a wreck, the follow-up article seemed to to portray Anthony and I as just bickering with, with, with the lawyer for Arena. And this is not, not about lawyers 
bickering, you know, because sometimes, you know, you could pick either side, right? That's what juries do in court. This is so, so elementary and so straightforward that there's really not much to talk about if you see the document. But I just wanted to get back to, you know, I met Carmine Persico in 1968 uh, when I was 18 years old and he was 34. And I got to know him over the years. We were on the commission case together. He was a defendant, and I was representing another individual in the case. And uh, we spent a lot of time over at MCC talking to each other, developing a friendship. And then, um, gee, I don't know when it was, but but about six years, seven years prior to Coma and dying, we started going through a lot of material that he had received from the government through Freedom of Information Act. And we started trying to define what his possible legal actions might be to get out of jail after serving uh, 30 years on the commission case at that time. And uh, I was lucky enough to find Anthony, who is the best guy to do a monumental job. And Anthony did a monumental job for Carmine in a motion for a resentence. We did a motion to have his 30-year mandatory parole enforced, and then ultimately uh, a motion for compassionate release. And as as things always work out in cases like this, the government just smashed down everything that, that we did. But we got to really know Carmine better and very closely. And Anthony, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with him up at the jail. And, you know, we love Carmine. And we, we respect Carmine, but that's not why we've got to fight for Carmine today. If, if Carmine, please, you know, I, I just have to be blunt. If Carmine were a rat, I wouldn't speak up for him at all, right? He wouldn't be my friend anymore. That's it. That would be the end of it. But to hear a great, great man like him, I'm talking about great, to be called a rat is just, ah, it, it, it just... It just turns me inside out and upside down. So, anyhow. You know, Matt, you know, and uh, touching on something you said, why this is so infuriating, is that we know these files better than probably anybody. And the document that's being, I guess, pushed around as proof, that those documents were the same documents that I used to try to reopen Carmine's sentence in showing that Gregory Scarpa Sr. and Lindy DeVecchio had provided false information that led to the 100-year sentence that Carmine received in the commission case. And the exact document that they are showing as alleged proof, and actually it shows nothing of the sort, is, is a document that comes from Gregory Scarpa Sr.'s informant file itself. And there are multiple identifiers on the document showing that this document was disclosed in a FOIA action led by someone named Angela Clemente, who did a fabulous job uncovering the corruption of the government and Gregory Scarpa Sr. And on each page of the document, if you look at the bottom corner, it has her name, because that's what the government does when it discloses a document in FOIA. These are the same documents that led to Carmine's case being reopened and re-argued before the Second Circuit on the basis that Gregory Scarpa Sr. had provided false information 
about murders in which the government used their Carmine sentencing to give him a 100-year sentence in a bid-rigging case. So for anyone to state otherwise, it's simply, it's simply not accurate. And these documents we know better than anyone else. And, you know, I could state with great surety that this document proves nothing of what is being alleged. It, act, it actually proves the exact opposite, that Gregory Scarpin Sr. was providing information on the multiple subjects listed on this document. And I don't know if, Matt, now may be a good time if you want to run through those. You know, you, Dominic, do you, do you have that document known as Exhibit 5? I do, and I'm actually, I'm actually also going to put it up on the screen so as yeah. we're talking, it, the listeners it, will it, see it. You know what, I, what I'd like to do? And, and like, you know, I'm 70 years old. So back in 1971, I was a young kid. But some of these names might not be familiar uh, to, to your audience, but they're very familiar to me. But anyhow, when you look at this document, Exhibit 5, what, what, the, what Arena's lawyer portrays this to be is he's saying that this is the top echelon informant program. That's the subject matter of this document, of this document. Yes. And, and, and Arena's lawyer, unbelievably, and for what reason, I can never imagine, because I just have to interrupt myself to say that the issue of whether Karma and Persco is a rat or not a rat has nothing to do with the issue of compassionate release for Vic Arena. Putting this stuff in a motion for compassionate release is just spite work. And maybe we'll get to that later, or maybe we won't. But the most important thing for your audience to understand is that this document is so clear. It talks about the top echelon informant program. And on the left side of every page are names, right? And on the right side of every page are numbers that relate to the government numbers for the informants. And they suggest that this document is a list of stool pigeons and that their numbers are to the right. Okay, And this is ridiculous to start with because, as Anthony pointed out to me, the first moment gave me the document. He said, look at the, look at the informant numbers. They're all the same. The, the informant numbers on the right side are all the same. And they're all belong to Gregory Scarpa Sr. Okay, so obviously Gregory Scarpa Sr. is the informant uh, in this document, among others. And the people on the left, including Carmine and Persico, are obviously the targets or the subjects of this top echelon informant program. And, you know, if you want to have the audacity and the ignorance to, to say that Carmine Persico, a man among men, second to none, is an informant based on this document, you would also have to say, here are some of the other names on the left side of the pages, uh, along with Carmine Persico. Paul Castellano, uh, Domenico Arcuri, who the government claimed at one time was the so-called boss of what they call the Gambino family. Salvatore Alvarello, David Amadeo. Okay, just want to give you, I'm turning the pages from back to front. Yep. I'm going from the last page to front, right? Then 
Joseph Collazo, Vincent Correo, someone I knew, he's known as Jimmy the Blonde, a very revered man in my neighborhood where I came from, Mulberry Street, also from that area where I grew up, Mulberry Street, Little Italy. Uh, another name is a kind of a Hall of Fame name, Emilio Delacrosse, Mr. O'Neill. All right, you want to tell me that he's a rat? Also on this list is Joseph Gallo, not crazy Joe Gallo, but the person that the government accused of being the so-called consigliere of the Gambino family for years and years under under Carlo Gambino and under Paul Castellano. I mean, these are legendary defendants, right? Uh, James Faiva, also known as Jimmy Brown, someone very, very well known. Giuseppe Gambino, another another person. Uh, we could go on and on and on. I don't know if your audience would be familiar with all these names. In the so-called Colombo family, and they have it, family. This is the way the document is, yes. family. And then they, they give a title, a captain. And then to the right, the symbol of the informant against them. Okay, And so in the so-called Colombo family, that fellow named Vincent Alloy, A-L-O-I, a very famous, famous person uh, in criminal justice history. Nicholas Rolano, uh, Richard Fosco, they all claim in this document, the government claims them to be in the so-called Colombo family. And to the right, all the same informant number, right? Not different numbers, like as if they're the rats. The informant number is NY3461CTE, and that happens to be, as Anthony can verify and did verify, that's the informant number of Greg Scarpa. Right? Well, Matt, and, not to cut you off on this, I think it's important maybe to segue into something that can actually prove this without any doubt. Dominic, uh, I had sent you a, an, an FD-209, which is what the FBI uses when it speaks to informants and memorializes the statements that they make to them during the time of reporting. And uh, one of the documents that I sent to you was also from a FOIA request from Greg Scarpa Sr.'s informant file. And on that document, on page one, it shows subject. The same exact number that is being identified by Arena's lawyers in that document claiming to show that the informant number corresponds with the subjects on the left. Do you see that document, Dominic? Absolutely, and I'll have that on the screen as well. So that is, and it also says what agent is receiving the information. So it says New York 3461, top echelon informant, is reporting to... FBI agent, Lindy DeVecchio. Do you see that, Dom? Um, now, on page, on page two of that document, yep. it starts off with and says, on June 26, 1980, NY3461TE, and that is the same number on the document, listed multiple times in which Arena's lawyers have produced that they claim shows that the subject, and Carmine Persico, is an informant. And it goes on to state, New York 3461TE provided the following information to Special Agent DeVecchio. Source advised that the boss of the Colombo family continues to be Thomas DeBella. However, that is nearly a figurehead position at this point, and the actual boss is Carmine Persico. 
The source said that Persico has been running the family, has been running the daily activities of the Colombo family since his release from prison in 1979. And then it goes on to additional reporting. But this document comes from Gregory Scarpa Sr.'s informant file, and that number is his number, and this document is a FD-209 relating to his reporting on the subjects listed in that document that has been produced by Arena's lawyer. So this clearly shows that those informant numbers are not corresponding to Carmine Persico or any of those famous defendants that Mr. Mary has identified. It's just so clear-cut. Well, what's crazy, uh, just one thing I want to interject, um, that uh, Mr. Mary hit on, uh, you know, when you, it seems as though they just cherry-picked because, as he just pointed out, he rambled off about 15 different names in the exact same category underneath the captain column. And yes. yet they're just spotlighting Carmine Persico. And as Mr. Mary pointed out, well, if that's the case, then you have to say everybody on the list is an informant. It just, what bothers me is from the outside looking in, I have no dog in this fight. But what I do relate to is the family. And what I do relate to is I don't like seeing these false narratives being passed around as fact. So I take offense to that personally. And what, what I can't understand is just anybody looking at this, it's very clear cut how you have three columns. And each column represents a specific category. And it's baffling how they're just trying to twist what the document actually means. I mean, they're changing its purpose. Huh. And, you know, Dominic, uh, as you know very well from your experience with Anthony, Anthony DiPietro is a very, very thorough lawyer. He leaves no stone unturned. And, you know, Anthony's I couldn't very agree more. about this. You know, Anthony's very upset about it, and he's going every time, you know, the, 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 uh, the reporter for the Daily News said, oh, no, I spoke to the lawyer for Arena, and he says this, and he says that, and he says the other thing. You know, Anthony jumped into action to, 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 to prove to me that all those excuses uh, are all impossible. You know, it's all nonsense. It's all BS. It's all BS. But, you know. I'm very verbose, as you could probably tell already. Well, that's why and I like Anthony's it. Very, <laughs> Anthony's very thorough. But, you know, sometimes we're fighting. We're so angry that we could get a little lost in the woods over here and get away from the point that you just made. This They, they put forward one document, which they call Exhibit 5, and they say for some inexplicable, unbelievable reason. That, you know, in, in this motion for Vic Arena right, to get compassionate release, because they say he's an old man, he's 87, he's sick, he's got <clears throat> dementia, oh, all this stuff. Uh, listen, this stuff, this document has no bearing on that issue. So why they put it in is a whole other issue that maybe we shouldn't get into. But it seems to me that who's ever paying Arena's lawyer maybe it's Arena himself, is trying to start trouble, trying to start controversy, and using the courts to do that. And that offends me as an attorney. Well, you know what, Matt, that's an interesting point. You raised that because, as we discussed, you know, there's also a letter that was filed in this court case, in Arena's court case, in 2016. And, Dominic, I believe you have that letter. 
Um, that document was filed by Arena's son, and it identifies the same document that they're speaking about now, and it makes the same accusation. And in the letter, he also identifies the same attorney that is on the case now. And, you know, one of the so-called diligence that the attorneys for ARENA are making is that they, they didn't want to release this document, and they didn't want to make this accusation unless it was a necessity as a last resort. Well, that can't be true, because the son filed this same accusation, citing the same report, almost five years ago, and it went nowhere. It caught no legs, no one paid any mind to it, because the document itself proves nothing of the sort. And in that interim of five years, not a single document has been shown to support this claim. And, you know, I heard the reporter answer some questions from others that say, well, you think there's documentation that could support and show that he was giving information? And the answer that, they, that was given, which is an artful dodging of the issue, was, well, we don't really know what existed in 1971 and if they memorialize these things like they do now in a 302 well we do know what exists because we have thousands of records memorializing the top echelon informant gregory scarpa senior dating back to the early 1960s and every time that he gave information they put his informant number and they memorialized the statement that he made so, you know, there's a lot of artful dodging of the issues. Yeah, I was actually going to touch on that, Anthony, because I felt that was an important thing to note. They are trying to use, it's almost like they're doing sleight of hand. And one of the questions I had for you guys that I believe they're doing sleight of hand, they keep reverting to, uh, whether it was the reporter or the attorney, where they're saying they confirm with the DOJ and the FBI that the mm. documents were accurate. Now, to me, I think they're playing with words. I don't think anybody's asking about the validity of the document. The, yeah. what, what's what in question mean? is the contents of the document. Yeah. So to me, well, I believe they're playing with words on that. Well, Dominic, let's, let's, let's break that down really simply, hopefully, the, you know, some logical reasoning. If this were true, at that time, because we know from the son's letter, they had this document and they had this meeting 2016 or before, when Carmine Persico was still alive, any defense lawyer, any defense lawyer knows that you cannot just call up the FBI and call up the inspector general and say, excuse me, I represent a defendant who could potentially benefit this from this. Can you please confirm that a certain person is an informant? First of all, that's against DOJ policy. They would all lose their jobs. So it lacks any credibility. So the idea that they had a meeting, which the son references in his letter, was a meeting about Gregory Scarpa Sr. and the murders that were done on his behalf in connection with the FBI. They may have shown the document at that time and said, is this authentic? And no FBI agent, in my opinion, and even though I accuse them of some pretty bad things, is going to confirm whether someone is an informant to another person's attorney and another person's son, a defendant's son, just because they want to know. Okay, that does not make any sense. It lacks credibility. I doubt that anyone would risk their job to do that. And in any event, let's go one step further. 
if it was true, and he did have a quid pro quo relationship where he's giving things and getting things, he is the alleged boss of the Colombo family. Why would the FBI reveal him to be an informant if he is an informant for them? That makes no sense. I mean, this is just so illogical on its face. It's well, so ridiculous. I think that's what's so disturbing is these commonsensical points are just being hashed over by pushing this narrative. And listen, anybody listen. with a brain could see that, you know, and that's what's confusing. Listen, Dominic, what, what, what's being done here in the aftermath of our, our aggressive response to the initial story in the Daily News, call my person, call the rat. We jumped into action immediately. Seven o'clock in the morning. I mean that that newspaper barely hit my 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 doorstep. Okay, before I was on the phone with the reporter. But and Anthony's already doing his research. Already, the lawyer for Arena is making excuses for his misrepresentation of this legitimate document to be something other than what it is. It is what it is. And by this lawyer saying, oh, I went to the inspector general and I verified this document is legitimate. And I talked to two lawyers. He couldn't talk to any lawyers. And Carmine had, Carmine's lawyers were me and Anthony DiPietro. And many years ago, decades ago, he had Frank Lopez and, uh, and Stanley Myers, both of whom have been dead for decades, okay, so he, he this is all BS, and and so why? Well, Matt, you know, I, I, well, Matt, not to cut you off, but on that point, it's also another instance of artfully using words. He never says they confirmed anything. What he says is they had reason to believe it could be true. Now, first of all, that's all speculation and nonsense from a disgruntled attorney, if one even exists. And secondly, no attorney is going to confirm anything like that. To another attorney because they have a duty to that former client that they could be disbarred for doing such a thing. So all of these things are just incredible on its face. You well, I think, Anthony, are. you hit on a point where it's being artfully portrayed. They're using words in such a way so they're not taking a strong stance, but they're leading the public to believe, oh, okay, it was confirmed. But it really wasn't Listen, confirmed. They're just being... It was. It so, couldn't be confirmed, number one, because it's not true. That's right. Number two, because what they're saying is impossible. You can't talk to dead men. Carmine's previous lawyers have been dead for decades. The inspector general is not going to do some confirmation for some criminal defense lawyer. But what are they confirming? That the document is, is real? Of course it's real. We stand <laughs> exactly. by this document. This document is an official government document. But what we are saying is that any Mama Luke who fell off a tree yesterday and bounced his head on a rock could get up and look at this document and understand that the people that I've mentioned, Anthony Tony Ducks Corral, Paul Vario, big John Omento, who died in prison. I knew John Omento. These are the people on the left side of the document. Carmine Persico. Paul Castellano, Vincent Aloy, uh, Anilio Della Cruz, uh, Giuseppe Gambino. These people on the left side 
of these documents, Paul Castellano being the most famous, they're not all rats. Come on, give me a break. And the, and the informant numbers that they try to portray as proving, oh, this is a document about rats. The informant number is all the same for all the people, and, and it's Greg Scarpa's number. So in other words, what they're trying to do by all the other garbage we've been talking about is to get us to take the bait and to run around in circles, biting our own tail, all right, to try to answer the stupid excuses that they're making for misrepresenting a document to the court, okay? And that document is a legitimate document, and they portrayed it as a rat list, and they call my personal was on it, and we're saying it's a list of subjects that were being investigated by Scarpa and other super rats. And, you know, the more that we get away from this simple document and, and, and take the bait to keep talking about BS, the, the, the more we do a disservice to our cause. So you hit it on the head, Dom, Dominic, when you took a look at this piece of paper. You don't have to be a lawyer to understand this. You don't have to be a judge. You don't have to be an FBI agent. Anybody in the street that we picked, picked at random we would be able to, to, to get the same answer. It's obvious the people on the left are, are defendants, famous, famous defendants who are being investigated. And the number on the right, there ain't no two ways about it, belongs to Greg Scarpa Jr. So, you know, we're knocking ourselves out because we love Carmine Persico and we don't want to allow this injustice to continue. But, you know, Dominic, thank you for, giving us the opportunity to be on your show today. But both Anthony and I are saying to ourselves, no matter how many shows we go on, no matter how many, I did a thing in the Daily News, a voice of the people thing. I've tweeted out stuff. You know, no matter what we do, people are going to remember that original headline. Yes, and, unfortunately, and, I, I agree. That's why to me it's important to get as much back push and pushback that we could get. And, you know, no, one I thing just I just... Wanted to note real quick, sorry to cut you off, but just one thing I want to note, which is another important item that I believe, once again, they're twisting the meaning. They're holding on to the name of the documents called Top Echelon Informants. Now, obviously, that just means these are <laughs> top guys that they consider targets, and this is the program for those top guys. Oh, you know, now, this is what it says. Sub page one, uh, page, uh, on November 3rd, 71. Subject, Top Echelon informant program. Exactly. And, and that's that's my point. And that's my point. Yeah, they're trying to take that heading and make it mean something it doesn't. They're trying to say, well, that means that there's top echelon people who are informants. And that's not what it's saying. Once again, they're playing with words. It's saying it's a top echelon informant program. It has nothing to do with calling the informants top echelon. These are people who are informing on these top targets. Again, yes. I almost feel like I'm in the twilight zone because this is common, yes. common sense stuff and it's being twisted to mean something it's not. It's, incre it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I just hope that enough people are listening to this program and maybe anywhere else we can be heard. Uh, and, and we'll just, you know, I, when people ask me about this, you know what, I, I have pictures of, of this document in my phone. I just send them, them the entire document. It's a public record now. Right. And, and say, hey, look, look at it. You know, tell me what it is. Paul Castellano, Meyer Lansky, they're all rats, please. 
I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre. This is bizarre. It, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. And Anthony, was there any other points you wanted to stress or clarify? No, I, I, th I think Matthew's right. I mean, listen, there is more that could be said as technicalities and to show that the document has no validity as for what it's being represented. But the more you get caught in the weeds, I mean, it's very plain. It's very straightforward. At the end of the day, this document provides no proof whatsoever that Carmine Personal ever informed on a single person, ever gave a single piece of information to the government. And it's just nonsense. And, uh, you know, he fought until his dying day. He made a valiant effort to fight the government at every turn. And he did over 50 years of prison during his life. Over five decades, the man was in prison. And he died even though he should have been released in a prison cell, in a prison hospital. And he was surely warranting compassionate relief, and he never got it. And the government fought back at him at every turn, too. So this whole story is really nonsense, and uh, it has no truth to it. It was filed five years ago, and now all of a sudden it caught legs. And look, I don't really blame the news reporter because he is going off of what the attorneys are representing. And that's why he's also covering himself by not stating that the other subjects on the list are informants based on this document because then he would have no coverage. At least now he can say, well, that's what the attorney's saying, and that's what he's telling us. So, you know, there is a, there's a very, you know, clear game going on here. But at the end of the day, there's no truth to this. Well, I understand your point, Anthony, but I would add one thing. Um, this is where I do blame reporters and whatnot. If you do run a story, that's fine. But now if new information comes to light, which you gentlemen clearly laid out prior, even prior to this podcast, and you made it clear what the document represents... I have a problem when then that said reporter, whoever's putting it out there, there's, it's been on blogs or whatever, they should then be able to man up and recant what they say and say, we misinterpreted, we made a mistake. That's the problem yeah. I, I have. It's the no, and, and no accountability. Dominic, in a perfect world, I would agree with you, but in the context of something like this, where the reporter has gotten such great praise and in international news, it's not that easy to then step over the door again and say, oops. It was a mistake, and I shouldn't have relied on this attorney because he, because what has been shown is not truly what the document reflects. And that, that is a hard step to take, and hopefully he takes it soon as the evidence mounts against the story. Um, but look, you know, it, it is he's relying on the documents filed. He didn't get the full story because obviously no one told him that this was filed five years ago by the Sun under the same narrative. Right. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. But, you know, hopefully uh, we can start shed some light on this and put it to rest. Dominic, Arena and his family and his lawyer thought they were going to pull a fast one on the Daily News reporter. And they did. And they never expected such a ferocious response and a, and a hardcore response to this BS Okay? They never could expect that to happen because people say, oh, why are you knocking yourself out for a dead man? I'm not, not, we're knocking ourselves out to do the right thing. We're not going to stand by and watch this occur. And you know what? By now, the Daily News reporter has so much egg on his face that all he has to do is wash it off and he's got a better story. 
the better story than the initial story is how Arena and his lawyer tried to sell a bill of goods. It's, it's something that's a better story if he owns up to it. You know, the sad, sad thing is that, you know, this supposedly goes back to 1971. Since 1971, Carmen Perusco did 14 years on one case. And then he came out, and he was out for about four years. And then he had two cases that were almost simultaneous trials, one after another. The commission case uh, in front of Judge Owen and another racketeering case in front of Judge Keenan. He had to try those cases back to back. He winds up with 139 years, okay? Does every bit of his time until his dying breath with no break. His son, Alphonse Persico, gets framed twice in two trials, is doing life without parole, and they want to tell us this guy's an informant? Please, give me a break. Well, I think that's what resonated with me, uh, the, the simplistic aspect and the compassionate aspect that people aren't realizing. There's families behind this. There's people who support this gentleman, cared about this gentleman behind this again. I never knew this uh, man. I don't know the family, but my heart could still, I could still empathize with people going through that because here you have somebody who suffered, the family suffers, and now, flash forward to 2021, now his name is being dragged to the mud, unwarranted and unfounded. And I have a problem with that. Okay. Well, Carmen, I want to thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to, to say our piece. And I just hope that enough people are listening, that the word is spread, that Colin Persico is a man among men, no rat, whatever he was, that certainly, he certainly wasn't an, any informant. And uh, uh, hopefully that'll be made clear in due course. Absolutely. And I thank you both for your time. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I think this was necessary just to continue to expose what took place here. Thank you for having us, Dominic. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. Well, there you have it. I don't think I could really say anything else or follow that up with anything. I think everything was covered. I believe it's clear as day that Carmine Persico Jr. was not an informant, never was. And I, I personally feel a lot of uh, retraction should be taking place. And let's see how that plays out. Until next time. You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon until then find us on twitter facebook and instagram at justice tech pros to email the show with questions and comments it's podcast at justice tech pros.com till next time this is justice tech pros podcast and dominic crea signing off